This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. <laughs> They're dogs and they're playing poker! <laughs> Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to both National Brown Baggot Day and National Wine Day. And as Joe's mom says, nothing looks better in a brown bag than a bottle of wine. And to celebrate, or pregame as she says, let's talk retirement. Does retirement ruin your relationships? How do you make that not happen? Here to help us with that, answer a bloom call for help and more, we welcome to the show from your money geek, Michael Dinnick. And from Afford Anything, we welcome Paula Pant. And rounding out our roundtable team from the award-winning LenPenzo.com blog, it's Taylor Swift. I'm kidding. She's busy half-filling arenas across the USA. It's just Len Penzo. And also, if you have student loans, you're going to love our FinTech Friday feature from PayItOff.io. We welcome Bobby Matson. And now, because it's a holiday weekend and all that's between you and grilled weenies is this weenie, Joe Salcihai. And another bad joke from Doug kicks off a show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we've got quite a band of merry people here with us today. And let's start. She's in Atlanta visiting. I think she's at an airport restaurant from the amazing Afford Anything podcast and blog. It's Paula Pant. I'm glad that there is absolutely no point at which you're too old to tell a weenie joke. <laughs> you gotta, 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 weenie jokes make me chuckle. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. So are you going to be grilling this weekend? What are you doing Memorial Day weekend, Paula? I have no idea. Time will tell. <laughs> but on, on Instagram, people will be able to see what I'm doing because uh, I don't know what that is, but... The future has something in store. And is it true? Are you at an airport restaurant right now? I'm not at the moment, no. Otherwise, you would be hearing a lot of clatter behind me. But right before we started recording, I went on for like several minutes about how my favorite restaurant is located at the Atlanta airport. Uh, and I once racked up an $80 restaurant tab by myself there. And it's Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> right? No, it's uh, it's called Echo, E-C-C-O, and it's in Terminal F. And it is worth purposely scheduling a long layover at the Atlanta airport just so you can eat there. Echo, if you want to sponsor the show, Joe at StackingBenjamins.com. Paul will do all those advertisements, right? <laughs> and in a bunker somewhere under Los Angeles, I think we're joined by Mr. Len Penzo. Ah! My weenie's already on fire, Joe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And so it begins. Absolutely. It's good to have you back. Hey, you it's know, been it's hey, been three weeks since you've been here. It's been a while, yeah. And I'm happy to be back. And I can't wait to go to that Echo restaurant in Atlanta Terminal. And you know what, Paula? I'm just waiting for when I go there, I'm going to see your picture on the wall. And it's going to say, endorsed by Paula Pant, <laughs> the world famous Paula Pant. I hope so. I would be honored. <laughs> And wondering what he's doing here, our special guest this week from Your Money Geek. It is Your Money Geek. People think we're money geeks, Len and Paula. We're not because we have the money geek here. Michael Dinich joins us. Hey, man. Oh, hey. How's it going? It's fantastic now that you're here. The property values have gone up, Michael. That's great. Awesome. Uh, tell everybody about uh, what you do. Okay. I'm a financial advisor. And a couple of years ago, uh, I just kind of got tired of doing business the way that I normally had been doing for a number of years and decided that I'm just going to kind of geek out about finance and, and run the business the way I want. You talk a lot often about some of the bad money advice that you see. I do. Yeah. Any particularly bad advice you've seen lately besides somebody advising you to come on the Stacking Benjamin show? No, well, that was actually good advice and I'm glad, <laughs> glad you're here. Um, I mean, there's so much to kind of talk about with that, but I've been noticing you know, there's this fire movement going on. Uh, where everyone's talking about becoming financially independent and retiring sure. early, right? And particularly lean fire, and you know, there's some there's some things that we need to warn people about with that. Oh, like? Well, you know, a lot of these people are trying to retire early. They're leaving their employers, and if things don't work out, particularly if they don't save enough money, if expenses go up, you know, they might not be able to go back to work, and it may cause you know financial distress. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here with us. We're going to talk a little bit of retirement here in a minute, but you know what we're going to talk about first? We're going to talk I, about- I'm guessing it's uh, Echo. <laughs> it's Magnify Money, Paula, because this show is sponsored by Magnify Money, not yet by Echo. Average person saves $450 <laughs> when they head to magnifymoney.com, whether it's to consolidate that debt, get uh, your student loans consolidated, maybe get the right credit card, whatever it is, magnifymoney.com. Should be your first stop for your financial products. And we're brought to you by Slack. We use Slack here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. We live on Slack at Stacking Benjamins. If you don't know what Slack is, it's a collaborative hub that lets you organize your team's work into channels where everyone's included relevant information is in one place and new team members can easily get up to speed. Learn more at slack.com. But we're not slacking on this podcast. <laughs> We're getting this party started, so 
so so let's move. I, you know what, Joe? I want to say before you dig into this that uh, that little intro with Michael was that I was so stressed because you asked him, you know, what's the most bad financial advice you've heard, and I was just waiting for him to say something he read on my blog. So thank God, <laughs> thank you, Michael, for for not saying that. And uh, you're welcome. We'll, We'll continue. <laughs> right. Let, we'll continue now. Len Penzo dodges another bullet, but let's see if you can continue <laughs> to dodge on our headline segment. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from the Washington Post, written by Michelle Singletary. Can retirement ruin your marriage? And I'm not really interested just in marriage. And frankly, I'm not just interested in retirement. It seems to me, Paula, when people reach their goal of, in this case, it's retirement, and then two people that have never been been in the same house for more than a few hours, all of a sudden are stuck together all the time, and the goal isn't what they thought that it was. I mean, do you think maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention to what happens once we reach the goal? Yeah, absolutely. That type of changed family dynamic can happen not just at retirement, but Let's say both people decide to become self-employed and then they both work from home. Right. Or one person is becomes a stay-at-home spouse and then the other person becomes a work-from-home self-employed spouse. You know, so in that situation, they would also both be at home running into each other all day. It could happen if somebody in the family becomes sick and, you know, one or both spouses become full-time caretakers. Uh, so in all these different kind of life transitions, every life transition has its own stresses that come with it. And if the underlying relationship isn't healthy, then that stress can expose some of that already formed bad health. Well, how do we then, assuming you agree with Paula, Len, I think that you would, what do we do to get ready then to spend time with these people that, you know, live in our house, but we haven't spent much time with yet? Well, you got to talk about it. And you know what? I'm glad you brought this topic up, Joe, because you know what? In preparation for this, I asked the honeybee just uh, this afternoon. I said, hey, what are we going to do when I retire? Because I'm planning on retiring in a few years here. And she said, so we? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this you know, we, Len? <laughs> you know, it was a good question. And, and uh, she said, well, I expect we, you know, maybe we'll go on a trip maybe once per year. And uh, other than that, you know, we'll stick around, stick around the house and, uh, you know, stay local and. And to me, that's kind of what I agree to. But we had never even I had never broached that topic with her. I I had been broaching the topic that I was going to retire in a few years, but but never really discussed. Hey, what do you think? What do you think we're going to do when the when the retirement time comes? So I'm glad to see we're on the same page on, on that. But Paula was talking about even when you work from home, how you have issues, and I noticed that too with the the honeybee. When I was working more from home uh, a few months ago, uh, she was getting very uh, irritated with me. Oh. So she was waiting for me to go back to work, work from the office more often. So do you think that's going to be a problem when you retire? Well, no, because I'm sending her to work. <laughs> you're, you're handing off the baton. It's, she's starting to work. <laughs> you, you come home your last day and hand her the baton. Your turn. Your Home Depot's hiring. Do you find this, Michael, in your practice that people don't think enough about what they're going to do together during retirement years or to Paula's point, if, they, if they're if they going to work from home together, that they don't spend enough time there? 
No, I, I haven't. I think that's kind of the stereotype that, you know, people are going to retire, maybe retire early and they're going to, you know, find out they just hate each other and don't like to be near each other. You kind of see that stereotype quite a bit. I think the problem is and what causes resentment with couples and becomes an issue is when they're not prepared financially for the retirement. You know, money is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest, you know, reasons for divorce. And I've seen this um, and we kind of talked about in the intro on the show, the fire movement. You know, everyone's kind of stumbled on this whole new fire thing, lean fire like it's new. But we saw this, you know, going all the way back into the 90s where people wanted to do homesteading and they would think, hey, we're going to quit the rat race. We're going to go get a farm. You know, we live in rural PA here. So we sell a lot of those people that moved in from New Jersey and they're like, you know, we're going to farm. We're going to raise animals and, you know, we're not going to work. And that caused a lot of resentment. You know, it didn't work out financially. Maybe one spouse had to go and work. And it caused a lot of resentment with the families. So, you know, if you solve the financial issues with the retirement, you know, hopefully you won't have the the personal problems with the retirement. But don't you find, though, Michael, that people spend a lot of time talking about getting away from where they're at now and not enough time talking about what they're going to? Like, I, it seems to me that when people go into retirement, it's all about leaving X job, right? I want to get the hell out of this job. But then when you ask them what they want to do, to Len's point, the honeybee says to him, we're going to travel once here. I would always hear travel, play golf, garden, right? As if you're only going to do three things for the next 40 years of your life. Yeah, but if you're retired and you're financially prepared for it, there's nothing that says, oh, we're retired. We got to spend 24 hours a day together. Develop hobbies, volunteer, do things that are meaningful, find fun employment that's enjoyable, watch the grandkids. You know, we really haven't seen that big of a problem where people are just like, oh, all of a sudden I realize I hate my wife because we're retired and I finally got the meter. <laughs> that's the stereotype that everyone kind of talks about, but we, I just don't see that playing out. Yeah, Paula, when it comes to switching jobs, when you talk about working from home, when you went from a nine to five working, I think, at a paper to then mm -hmm. working from home, how did that change affect not even just relationships, but your mood and, and who you were? Uh, well, so my story was a little different in that when I quit my job, I then also gave up my apartment, sold my car, and left the country. I flew outside of the United States on a one-way ticket. But wait a minute. Um, but on the way, you had a long layover in Atlanta. <laughs> I did not. I was not uh, – I didn't have restaurant money at that time. <laughs> and that actually had, a, in many ways, a huge negative impact on my mood, not because – what I was doing itself caused a negative impact, but because I then had additional time to deal with all of these undealt with and unprocessed issues that had been, that had always been lurking under the surface, but that I had escaped through the distraction of busyness. Once I took the distraction of busyness away, then all of my like angst and traumas came bubbling up to the surface. Mm. Yeah, it seems like, Len, you see people leave your job, I'm sure. And I hear these things, people, you know, they leave their corporate job and a year later, they're pretty lonely and going through depression. Like I see these studies that financial firms do and see that like a year or two into retirement, people kind of have this whole, I don't know, this whole wake up call. I don't know what you'd call it. It's called boredom. And what they do is they do come back like where I work. They'll come back. A lot of them come back. And even if it's part time and they'll work maybe one week a month. So they'll be they'll come back as a subcontractor. And, and, and really, that is a 
if you can retire that way, that is a sweet deal. If you can pull something off like that, a job where, you know, once a month, once a week for a month, you, you're bringing in a little side income the other three weeks out of the month, you're enjoying life. I think to me, that is the ideal retirement, just enough to keep you busy and keep a little extra income. But then the rest is just, you know, fine gold, enjoy your golden years. And let me bring up one more thing, Joe, before you move on. You know, my uh, cousin, Kevin, who's a CPA, well, he's retired now, but, you know, people always talk about their golden years. And he told me, he said, you know, people always say that, well, the golden years are your 70s and your 80s. And that's not true. He says, if you're going to plan for retirement, your golden years are actually your 50s and your 60s. And mainly that's because of health reasons. Once health starts, you start having those health problems, you don't have the freedom to do the things you thought you might wanted to do in retirement. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind. Your your true golden years are your 50s and your 60s, and I have to agree with that. I know health, uh, Michael, is a big hot button for for you, and you talk a lot about healthcare and healthcare costs and things like that. Is that one of the big things that people underestimate when it comes to saving for retirement? It is. It, well, it's not so much that they underestimate it. it it's its biggest challenge. Okay. Right. You know, for a 50 year old that wants to retire and take advantage of their golden years, you know, I agree with that, that, you know, the 50s and 60s is probably the opportune time. We see that with our clients. But the biggest challenge is buying health insurance for people that are in the 50s and 60s. And so if we can find affordable insurance, we can get them in the situation where they can retire with, you know, maybe less assets saved or, you know, less taxes. Gotcha. Cool. In terms of this piece that Michelle wrote, Paula, I mean, what's the key here? Is it communication? Is it flexibility? What do you think the key is? I think the key is to start dealing with the underlying issues while you're still at work or before the transition happens, because you can't wait for that transition to happen, whether the transition is retirement or self-employment, whatever it is. You can't wait for that to happen and say, oh, I'm going to fix all of my issues then because those issues might be more severe than you think. So you've got to start working on your emotional health immediately. Working on your emotional health until after you're retired is like differing working on your physical health until after you're retired. It makes no sense. It's a lifetime practice and you've got to do it every day. Michael, do you have student loans? No. No? L- lucky you. For well, sure you see people with student loans. I do. I'm very happy that uh, upstairs talking to mom right now is a guy named Bobby Matson. Bobby has a new company called Pay It Off. And of course, like all of our Friday FinTech guests, we don't endorse any of these companies. Just something cool that Joe found that I think maybe more people need to know about it. And at Pay It Off, Bobby and his team, well, I'll let him explain it. Bobby Matson coming down to the basement. Hey, Bobby, how are you, man? I'm great. How you doing today, Joe? Well, I'm fantastic because my student loans are paid off. But you were in a place at one point where you you and your wife had big student loans? Yeah. Actually, just three years ago, we realized that we were north of $150,000 in student loan debt. Holy so cow. It was wild. Congratulations on having that much student loan debt. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's a quite an accomplishment. Uh, it was actually a mix of things. Like we had, uh, we had deferred a lot when we were trying to get our careers going earlier in our twenties, and at that around our mid twenties, we were like, "Hey, we have good jobs now." I was working as a software engineer. She's a product designer, and 
then we sort of had this come to Jesus moment where we're like, oh, wow, we can't save for anything. Because the payments are too high. Payments are high. There's also just no way to really tell when you'll be out of the debt. So we had no visibility and I couldn't feel good, like even starting a family or, you know, taking career risks with that kind of burden. So it sounds like starting pay it off then was totally you trying to figure out your own situation. Yeah. I mean, it was a side project for me. I, at the time was furious about it. Like I felt like I had done something wrong. I felt sort of a feeling of what did I do? It's just undergraduate, you know, why I don't have a doctorate or anything. Then I started building tools to help me forecast the debt and help us navigate through it. So I can imagine you're sitting at, uh, I don't know, out to dinner with friends or something. They have student debt too. And then what did you do? Start loaning them your tools or, or <laughs> what was the next step? But at what point did you say, oh, this might be a company. This might be something a bunch of other people need. Yeah, that's a great question. It was about a year ago that I had friends who were like, lawyers or maybe they had were in their residency trying to be doctors and they had huge student loan burdens so much much more than we did and they were having similar issues they wanted to know what's my debt free date like what's the right amount to put towards the loans to prepay uh, lots of questions that we had so i just said hey use these tools they were just scrappy at the time but from there they started sharing it with friends and they Someone came to me and was like, can I pay for this? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, correct. Because <laughs> I have these student loans I need to pay off, right? When you looked at this, I know there's a ton of different ways to pay down student debt. It's funny because we talk to different people and some people say like uh, consolidate loans. Some people say look at the income-based repayment options. I'm sure you guys look at all of those things. Yeah. So what the product does is it will look at the entire profile of the borrower okay. and look at their life goals. So if they want to you know, retire, say there's somebody who has a lot of debt from all their kids going to school, they have a lot of parent plus loans. So there's a lot of different, there's thousands and thousands of possible ways to repay. So we just do the math on all of it, forecast it, and then look at the life goals to see what is the best choice for that borrower. Gotcha. When, when you've looked at different borrowers, Tell me some of the stories. How much money have people been able to save on, on student loan repayments? Yeah. So in our case, starting with our story, it was $34,000 in interest overages. Wow. So those are, those are interest payments that don't go to the servicer anymore. 34000 is not a small number. I don't know if you know no. that. <laughs> it's, it's a down payment on a house. And <laughs> we're going to be at, out of debt 12 years sooner. So we've paid about $85,000 of that debt so far since we started using these tools. So I'm the walking testimonial first. I started working with financial advisors who were had clients with this similar issue just a couple months ago. And now I'm building tools for them to help with their clients. I see that. You actually, uh, before we started recording ahead of time, before you got here, you sent some of those to me. I haven't even had a chance to look at them yet, but it looks like, uh, well, you know what? Just walk me through it. Walk me through. If I go to payitoff.io, what happens? Yeah. So if you're a financial advisor and you sign up for the beta, what you're able to do is send your clients a link and they can sync all their loan data. So they can authenticate directly with their loan servicer with any federal or private student loan or any credit card. So it works for basically any debt. Then as an advisor, you see all these come through and then you're able to see opportunities for how to repay those. So the system flags refinancing for certain loans. So subsidized loans, for example, aren't usually good candidates for refinancing because they have great protections around deferment. For unsubsidized, usually 
it's pretty okay to like try and dip your toes in refinancing for that. So we look at, hey, get an offer from SoFi and then compare it or whichever refinancer, you know, look at Credible. And yeah. so we allow the financial advisor to look at that as an opportunity if it applies. Some For some loans, they have low interest rates. Doesn't make sense. Too many protections for federal loans. You don't really want to mess with that. And then it'll say, hey, based on this makeup of loan structure, here's how much is the right amount to prepay. So we'll look at the, we'll do simulations on the relative savings uh, that's happening. Uh, if you were to put $1 versus $2 versus $3, and there's some drop off of a curve there where we just pinpoint that's the best prepayment amount for that borrower. So we basically do a ton of math and run a bunch of simulations. And now we're integrating all the federal programs. So we'll be able to say which IDR plan would make sense or if they qualify for PSLF. Got it. And then if I don't have a financial advisor and I'm just going there, I'm just going to pay it off. What happens for me? Is similar? I can have it connect to all my student loans? Yeah. So similar process. We have tools for anyone that has student debt so they can actually just see suggestions on best ways to pay it off, tips about things they can do in their daily life to help, like maybe dining one less time a month to help put that money towards the debt. So practical thoughts as well. And that, that version is actually free. You can go on right now and, and use it just to dip your toes in the water and see what can I do right now that's actionable. Are there visuals also? Like, I, you know, people talk about, well, specifically Dave Ramsey and getting some of the wins by starting with your smallest first. You know, you're familiar with the debt snowball method of paying stuff off and how it's inefficient. I've always thought that if you can see the mound go down, that kind of provides you some of those same wins without having to be so inefficient. You guys have visuals showing this is your current path and this is this is the uh, path if you do it this way? Yeah. So to that point about the debt snowball, I think it's it should be, you know, an advisor or a person who, if they don't have a financial advisor, it's their decision whether they want to go avalanche versus uh, snowball. Sure. And we allow you to sort your payoff order. So okay. you can decide I'll do one low balance first, try it out, see how I feel about it. What happens then is we'll show you the balance over time and compare those two strategies. So we'll show you basically a graph of how that impacts it and a timeline of how each debt gets paid off. So you see exactly how the payments stack. Gotcha. And that way is free. People can go to payitoff.io and get that. But how do you guys make money? We make money a couple ways. So if you're somebody who just wants to come to the site you can have free suggestions, like I mentioned before. You can also buy a plan. So we'll run all the numbers for you and develop a, a plan that you can go buy. And that's $100 one time. And we also uh, work with uh, refinancing partners. So we'll try to match borrowers that make sense for certain refinancers. So we have a partnership with Credible and we look to see if they're good fits. So that's another way. For financial advisors, it's a separate tool. They have their own tool completely that's dedicated to help them repay their clients' student loans so that none of the like refinancing is a part of that. It's We're just showing the numbers and we're saying, here's your best paths, like multiple, so that they can choose and work with their client to say, this is a big going to be the best financial outcome for you. And financial advisors pay a fee monthly to use that. Gotcha. Okay. You know, people worry about privacy. I don't know why I'd worry about somebody having all my student loan information. If somebody wants to pay it off for me, I'd be pretty damn happy. But, <laughs> but, but, but how much information do you collect from people and how do you use that information? Yeah. So privacy is a huge concern for us and, and something as a software engineer, I take very, very seriously. 
We don't store any user credentials. Uh, we'll never ask for your FSA ID. So those credentials go directly to your servicer. We hand it off directly. So we're not storing personal information related to that. So we could never have access to your plans or your servicer account. We just get the response. So we know about the current time frame of what the balance is and, and what your interest rate is and monthly payment. So you're rolling into tools for financial advisors now as we speak. What's what's the next step, Bobby, after that? I mean, it's funny, you're knee deep in this one project now, but what's what's the layout <laughs> look look afterwards? Honestly, what I see as the big picture is a different relationship with debt. I think that we have historically Debt has been more of an anxiety-prone situation, so we'll take on debt and then we kind of feel bad later. It feels good short-term, and then we have this sort of relationship with a servicer that we have to manage. I, I want debt to be something that we use as a tool the way it can be intended, but is something we know very is very transparent and that we know everything there is to know about it, and we have control over it. So what I want to uh, move into now is automated repayment so that all the people who have been setting up plans with pay it off can actually have their plans executed for them, you know, for a tiny fee per month based on interest savings. So those are the tools that we're, that we're R and D right now. That's awesome. We were just doing a piece on money in the morning, our other podcast about how robots are helping big companies and how come people aren't doing that more with your financial plan. Like if it's a repetitive task, why not hand it over to a robot so you can save your, your decision-making for the big stuff. Yep. Cool stuff. Uh, the site is payitoff.io, and we'll have links both to the user tool if you're looking at this for your student loans, or if you're a financial advisor, we also have a special link for you in the show notes uh, as well to check out Bobby's tools there. Man, thanks for stopping by the basement and hanging out with us for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, down here celebrating National Brown Baguette Day and National Wine Day by putting all of Joe's mom's wine into these convenient-to-carry paper bags. But while I do that, here's a question for you. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, how much does the average American spend on beer, wine, and hard alcohol in a 12-month period? Hope they weren't looking at my receipts. I'll have the answer and maybe some samples in just a minute. All right, uh, Michael, while Doug was reading the trivia question, we explained the complex rules to this game. It's the, it's, the, it's the closest without going over. And as the special guest today, you get to decide if you want to go first in the middle or last with your guess. Uh, in the middle. In the middle. All right. And Paula hasn't won strategy. yet. Yes. Paula hasn't won yet since we started counting. Like Paula was on fire until we started counting. And right now the <laughs> score is OG1. And Len won. So that means Paula gets to go last, right? And Len then cool. has to go first. Okay, so I'm the guinea pig. So let's let's talk this out. So, of course, this is the average person. I'm going to say the average person, this is probably going to make me sound like a lush. <laughs> and I'm not. Let, let the record show I am not a lush. But I'm going to say the average person consumes a six-pack of beer per week. And I will say, what's a six pack of beer? Let's say you, you go to, you get it at an expensive place, 10 bucks, just to make my math easy, because I'm drinking a beer right now myself. So 10 bucks 
So sit, let's see. So that's 10 bucks times. Which, by the way, is tough since we record this at six in the morning. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say 500. Let's see. How many weeks in a year? So $520. $520. Michael, what do you think? Well, I'm going to base it off of what I, I think the last time I saw was the average household income in the United States, which I believe is like $44,000 or so. And I'm going to guess that people spend about 2% of their budget on alcohol. So I'm going to go with $880. $880. I like it. You know, they have the 4% rule for retirement. Michael, <laughs> Michael has the 2% rule for liquor. I like it. Paula, so does that mean, what does that mean to Bill Gates then? What, what would Bill Gates two percent of his uh, his annual income? Right, right. Bill Gates is a <laughs> Bill is Gates is conscious? a lush. How the heck does he get out of the house? <laughs> Guys, well, uh, have you used Windows products? Right. I think that actually explains quite a bit. <laughs> there, there it is. There it is. All drunk over there at Microsoft. That's yeah. why they're asleep. Bill Gates wakes up in the morning, and goes, "Oh my God, that." <laughs> Blue screen of death again. I'm going to have to talk to Michael and have him change that rule of thumb. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's getting expensive. All right, Paula, we've got 520 from Mr. Penzo, 880 from Michael. What are you thinking? Ooh, well, the rules are closest without going over, so I'm going to guess 510. (laughs) But that only gives you 10 bucks. Wait, do I need a... Len said, that was a dumb bit. Hold on, let me think about my strategy for a second. Len said 520, so that gives you $10. Oh, of a spread? All right, wait, wait, scratch Don't that. Let me just, let me the just, price is right. Let me just guess the, yeah. Maybe I should have watched The Price is Right. That might help my strategy here. Let me just guess 400. I'm pulling that out of thin air. I don't know. Thanks to Slack for supporting Stacking Benjamins and not just being a sponsor, by the way, but being our go-to hub for our collaboration here in the basement. Slack is a collaboration hub that lets you organize your team's work in easily searchable channels. So whether it's projects like our road tour, interests like board games, teams like our social media team, or by office, we don't really have offices in the basement. We have all the areas and then over by the canned peaches, but you know what I'm talking about. All the right people are always in the loop. Relevant information is in one place and new team members can easily get up to speed. Slack, where work happens Learn more at slack.com. No more searching, by the way, through emails for that one follow-up. I find that so annoying. And you know what's funny? Is it is, is it just me or does Gmail show you every email except the one you really want, even when you search for it? Like, if I'm not searching for the email, it's right in front of me. But with Slack, easily search not just for the email, but maybe for the tour poster, maybe for Doug's... Uh, <laughs> work agreement there's mobile apps for ios and android that sync seamlessly you can always pick up where you left off no matter what happens you can drag and drop file sharing that works with everything you already use like salesforce Sendesk. we use google drive plus taylor slack for your work with more than a thousand apps i know i talked about this before but we use screen hero we use a peer in we, we use tons of apps alongside and not even really alongside but inside Slack. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. Stacky Benjamins is also brought to you by Magnify Money. You know, this time each week we go to Magnify Money and we take a look at 
savings account rate. So let's do that right now. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. You'll hear me typing here. And let's go over to savings accounts. Boom. See how quick that was? I'm in. Now for this illustration, I said we have $10,000, but that depends on, obviously, you can change that number because the savings will be different and the amount of money and the interest rates will be different depending on what you have. And it's still, well, actually, I take that back. Salem 5 Direct now has moved up to 1.85. Poplar Direct is also 1.85. But between the two of those, I can easily see that uh, Poplar Direct gets an F for their fine print score. It says it's way too complex. But Salem 5 Direct gets a B. They have the same minimum deposit, one penny, and it's 1.85%. There's also user reviews. I see seven different user reviews for Salem 5 Direct. Also at 1.8% is a Dollar Savings Direct, 1.75% at PurePoint Financial. All of these online banks, Marcus by Goldman Sachs at 1.7% coming in just below here. But everything from American Express to American Airlines Credit Union and more, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money to ditch, switch, compare, and save. You'll see auto loans, small business loans, 0% credit cards, cashback rewards. If you use it in your daily life, Magnify Money has it. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. All right. 400 for Paula, 520 for Len, 880 for Michael. All right, Doug, here we go. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and she's not down with any samples from mom's wine fridge until you show proper ID, people. Plus, keys stay in the basket. If you drink, you're driving nowhere. I'll let you decide whether you're staying over or not, but for now, let's get you a trivia answer, shall we? Here was the question. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, how much does the average American spend on beer, wine, and hard alcohol in a 12-month period? The answer? The Bureau of Labor Statistics says that you're an overachiever if you spend more than $435 a year. By the way, there's no medal for that accomplishment. I'd love to stand here chatting, but Joe's mom's going to be all over me if I don't get paper bags on all these wine bottles. See ya! Paul is on the board. Whoa! Wow, That's you know what? incredible because I literally pulled that out of thin air. I had zero strategy. Oh, I figured out what I had meant to do. I had actually meant to wager 521 so that I could like, you know, yes. just, just basically, I just wanted to piss Len off. That's what I thought you were going for. Yeah, like, that, that is what I intended to go for, but I did it wrong. And then I realized that I did it wrong. And then I realized I didn't actually have a strategy. And then I just pulled $400 out of let, the air. Let the record show, if I would have used the BevMo price for beer instead of the local grocery store, liquor store price, I would have won this time. Let the record show it. <laughs> let the record. You're all about let the record show as if this is like a court of law or something, Len. <laughs> let the record show. My defense rests, Your Honor. Yes. All I know, guys, though, is I want to party at uh, Your Money Geek because eight, uh, Michael, with your $880, we're coming to your house, buddy. Well, I told you we live 40 minutes from the winery, so it might you know, it's probably skewed here. Yeah. Yeah, you're close to the Finger Lakes out there. Nice, right. great white wines out there. Fantastic stuff. Oh, oh, oh. You know what that means, Len? Bloom. Looks like somebody needs help. All those three O's are sponsored by Bloom. Smart, simple 401k management. 
Len, uh, Len, <laughs> Len uh, uh, you've got a 401k. What type of dartboard do you use to pick your funds with your 401k? Or- you know, I'm getting lazy now. I'm just using, you know, they make these things so easy now for people who don't want to take any effort at all to manage their 401k. I put a lot of it into the retirement fund based on the year you're retiring. Yeah, so, the target date uh, fund. Yeah, and actually my quarterly statement came in uh, not too long ago and uh, actually – it didn't do too well. Well, and I was going to say, talking to the actually talking to the team at Bloom, it's interesting you say that because target date funds are often pretty expensive. Bloom costs a lot less, and they really do historically a better job with uh, for a lot less money. So, how yep. about that? Uh, here's here's the way it works. Bloom's pricing is ten dollars a month, regardless of your account size. They link to your existing 401k so you don't have to move your money. They're a completely independent advisor so you know you're getting unbiased expert investment advice. Bloom researches, invests, manages, monitors, and grows your 401k while you sit back and relax. They get you in the right mix of funds to meet your retirement goals so they're like a robo-advisor for your 401k. The best thing is, talk about lazy, Len, it only takes five minutes and then your retirement's set up until you cancel. So... Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part about this is remembering there's three O's in Bloom. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash SB. <laughs> no. Bloom. Did I get B- it? B- Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about dart throwing. It's been a few weeks. Joe. You're so r- three weeks away. You think you'd get it once. And enter promo code SB. There you go. For your first first month free, you can test drive it for free your first month and see the difference Bloom can make in your retirement. And today we got a call from help from our new BFF, Ethan. Say hi, Ethan. Hey, guys. I have a question about everybody's favorite topic, insurance. So my girlfriend and I are shopping around for car insurance. We're trying to look for a cheap policy, but part of me wants to have an agent or someone to call that I can talk to if anything goes wrong. And especially because in the next couple of years, we're going to be buying a house, probably starting a family. And, you know, once financial independence comes, some umbrella insurance would be nice peace of mind. So having this whole suite of insurance under one roof would be nice. And having an agent to talk to would also be nice. But I know that may come with extra costs. And I don't really know where to find an agent or what to look for in an insurance company. So any advice you could give me about tips for looking for insurance, shopping around, comparing policies, anything along those lines. Thanks for your help. Thanks for the question, Ethan. And boy, Ethan and his girlfriend, you know, romantic night out shopping insurance. (laughs) Sounds sounds fantastic. Michael, let's start with you. What, What do you think? Agent? No agent? You should probably look for an agent. Uh, sometimes going online can save a little bit of money. But oftentimes it's not it doesn't save that much more than actually going with an agent. The products are really the same. They're regulated by the states on what the insurance companies can charge. So if he has peace of mind working with a local agent, he should totally consider, you know, having somebody local that can shop the market for him. What type of questions should he ask the agent? Well, you know, the big thing is to make sure that the agent understands what he's trying to do, understand his risk you know, his assets and understand what he really has to protect. What we found is a lot of times people are either underinsured or overinsured. So he really wants to find somebody that takes an interest in, you know, what he's trying to do, understands, you know, what he has as far as assets to protect and find the right policy for him and his family. Len, do you use an insurance agent? I most certainly do. And I'll just to be, well, I hope he's not listening. 
he is not as good as I wish he would be. In the old days, back when my when I was a kid, I remember my our insurance agents would come to our house and he would talk to my dad. I mean, the guy knew you, you know, he knew, hey, you know, it was like a member of the family almost. These days, when you get an, an insurance agent, here's what I recommend. Most of the time, these insurance agents have lots and lots of clients, way too many clients. And then they pass off the work of actually doing what they should be doing, talking to the people they're insuring to somebody. I don't know what they're called. It's like a para, like a paralegal for a lawyer, a para insurance person. Like some administrator. Yeah, there you go, an administrator. And they just, I'm sorry, they just don't take the care that they should in your situation. So here's what I ask that you do. When you're looking for your insurance agent, you make sure that your insurance agent, you talk to that insurance agent, you demand it. Don't talk to the administrator. Nobody is better for you than the insurance agent. When the insurance agent takes a interest in you and gets to know you, they will make sure that, uh, you know, you're in good hands. And I don't, whatever insurance company that is, I don't know. I don't mean to endorse any, but make sure you do that. That's, that's very important. And buy, here's, here's a quick thing, buy in bulk, keep all your insurance in one place. You're going to get lots of discounts when you have your life, your home, your auto, and any other insurance policies with the same company. I would still though, I would still shop extra companies, uh, other companies, because while I found Len that that's largely correct, like 90% of the time, there was always this 10% of the time where actually going with different companies was was less expensive. It was weird. My only admonition to that is your insurance. Here's another statement. I remember my dad telling me, your insurance is only as good as your insurance company. So if you're going to go to the Acme insurance company, you better make sure that they've been around a long time and that they're a sound company. Because here's what happens. If you buy insurance on the cheap, for cheap premiums and you go to make a claim and Acme doesn't pay out or they've gone, you know, they're going to go out of business or whatever, then what good was the insurance? So always make sure that your insurance company is reputable and has been around a long time. Back to you for just a second, Michael, that piece, what Len just said there, my experience when I was a financial planner, that's the piece people don't get like that. They're all about how much it costs, but they don't realize that it's about the quality of the insurer. It is. And you know, the other thing too is about the renewal rate integrity. So what happens is a lot of companies, everyone wants to buy business. You hear commercials, you know, visit our website in X amount of time. We're going to send you X amount of money. And maybe they will in the first year. And that's kind of done as a loss leader. And the next thing you know, in the following year, wham, your insurance premiums went up or they didn't go down or the company's treating you like poorly because you got into an accident. So I try to kind of caution people. Like sometimes people come in and say, well, this company's five dollars a month cheaper and it's like yeah but every single time i have a client that has snow damage or you know hail damage or something on their car they're threatening to take this company to and i'm not a property and casualty agent sure right right. so right right but you know there's certain companies that i'm like my god if i ever had an opportunity to work with this company even if it saved me half as much money given what i've seen my clients go through with them there is no way i would work with those companies yeah they spend a lot of time denying the claim. Yeah, they do. So uh, one little kind of tip, you know, and it doesn't mean they're always going to be the cheapest, but I try to encourage people to stick with the mutual companies. All right. So the mutual companies are where the policyholders are also a shareholder in the company. So those gotcha. type of companies, think of it almost like a co-op. They're a little less profit motivated than like a, a stock company is, right? Okay. You know, a big stock company, they just want to maximize profits for the shareholders, 
where a mutual company is more like a co-op. Yeah. The policyholders are the shareholders. They yeah. are. Absolutely. Yeah. Paula, you were trying to jump in and I think I talked right over you. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say piggybacking off of what Len said about the uh, the strength of the insurance company. There are two ratings agencies. One is AM Best and I forget the other one. S&P. S&P. Yes. And both of those are ratings agencies where you can look up the rating of a given insurance company. So check those yeah. out. Yeah. I think that's that's really important and great advice. Do you use an agent, Paula, for your insurances? I do. Yeah. Yeah. We use an agent and we have the majority of our insurances through him. Does he come to your house or does he call you and talk to you personally or do you talk to an administrator? Uh, we talk to him personally by awesome. phone. Awesome. Give me his phone number. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, yeah. seriously, if you find a although, good agent, that's- actually, I don't think he represents California. I think he's licensed only in the Southeastern states. But do they represent 20 feet below California? <laughs> <laughs> Is, it, yeah, I need an umbrella policy. Uh, what, what type of questions do you think, uh, Ethan should ask Paula? You know, I think if I were him, I would lay out his situation and then listen to the agent, repeat it back and try to get a sense of how well the agent understands him. You know, is the agent trying to funnel him into what the agent thinks he wants, or is the agent actually like taking the time to listen? Because I've spoken with insurance agents in the past who they have this preconceived notion of what they think I want, whether that's lower premiums or or whatever. Like they they come into the conversation already assuming that they know what I want because that's like maybe just the boilerplate of what they assume everybody wants. And they don't actually take the time to listen to my situation. And so I think the, the number one thing that I would look for is somebody who listens. Thanks for the question, Ethan. If you've got a question for the Bloom Hotline, Head to uh, stackybedjamins.com at the very top of the site. It says questions for the show. Click on that link and uh, that'll show you all the different ways that you can interface with us. And Ethan's taking home a greatest money show on earth t-shirt, our circus t-shirt. And we're sending one of those his way for being brave enough to call in. Uh, that's going to do it today, guys. Let's uh, find out what's going on where you live. Len Penzo, what's happening at that crazily titled lenpenzo.com? You are not going to believe this, but... I have a post, 18 tips to consider before buying auto, home, and life insurance. <laughs> of course you do. Of course I do. Good timing. Nice job. So, so Ethan, stop on by and check it out. Awesome. And always fun at lempenzo.com. Paula, what's happening at the Afford Anything podcast? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with Laura Adams, the host of the Money Girl podcast, where she shares her story of getting into credit card debt. And she talks about how she made the transition from somebody who was not good with her own money to somebody who is now a nationally recognized money expert. I love her. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's, uh, she's down to earth. She's friendly and she knows her stuff. She knows a lot about money. So the first half of our interview, she tells her story. And the second half, I ask her questions about everything from home buying to insurance. We talk about renter's insurance uh, we talk about like all of the, the personal finance basics and in the span of about 20 minutes, boom, boom, boom. She covers a lot. Awesome. We'll link to those on our show notes at stackybedjamins.com. Michael, thanks a ton for hanging out with us today, man. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, and I love the site, yourmoneygeek.com, but tell everybody what they'll find when they go there. Well, when they go on, they can find some information about how to save money in health insurance. They can schedule an appointment, find out information about financial planning. 
You have a fantastic uh, interview, I believe, on uh, the Money Pete show about health insurance, don't you? Yes, I did. That turned out pretty good. I was a little worried when he started off to interview everybody hates talking about insurance. And I was like, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) This is going to be bad. But you're the money geek. So you like talking about that stuff. Yeah, I do enjoy it. It's a necessity. So somebody's somebody's got to do it and it might as well be me. Good stuff. And it's uh, yourmoneygeek.com. We'll also link to that in our show notes. Guys, that's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from the group. Getting familiar with the lay of the land before you reach a big goal like retirement can make it easier on everyone and maybe save your marriage or friendships. Second, pay down those student loans. They're expensive. But the big lesson? When you see Joe's mom drinking out of a paper bag, just remember that someday when you grow up, kids, that too can be you. Big goals for the win. Special thanks to Michael Dinnick from Your Money Geek for stopping by. You'll find Michael's writing and more on his practice at yourmoneygeek.com. Thanks also to Bobby Matson for stopping by to explain Pay It Off to us. You'll find more about student loan payoff plans at payitoff.io. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of the cryptically named lenpenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is Michael, the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays here. All right. Okay. You can't, you can't talk about it. <laughs> and we're very serious about that as, as we're serious okay. about everything here. Very, very serious. <laughs> Got uh, it. When I think of the Stacking Benjamins show, I think serious. That's the first thing you think. Very, very serious. Uh, we are serious about our play. You know, we're very serious about play. You know, when you listen to Joe, don't you, doesn't he just sound like, like your, your favorite uncle? That's what I like about Joe when Uncle, I hear him. Like, Uncle Joe? Yeah, it's like really? Uncle Joe. It's like, yeah, you, you just got that nice positive feel in your voice all the time. Yeah, let's go see Uncle Joe. 
Let's go see Uncle Joe. I'm having a bad day. I want to go see Uncle Joe. Welcome to Uncle wow. Joe's Story Hour. My, my uncles speak like <laughs> thickly accented broken English. And, and when they, one of my uncles, when he shaves his head, he looks just like Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> So Paula doesn't think of me and think of her uncle is what she's trying to say. <laughs> Unless, well, my head looks like it's shaved sometimes, you know. It, it does. It's, it's it does. But, but you're missing that Gandhi look. You look more like a Prince William. <laughs> I look more like a pasty middle-aged dude with okay, no hair. Prince Charles. Right, right. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'll take William, though. I like William. <laughs> yeah. Way better than, than Charles. But, uh, hey, I found this piece from ABC News that I thought was was pretty interesting. Talk about money problems. This is the Associated Press from Michigan, actually. Raccoon family drops through ceiling of Michigan home. A family of raccoons created a chaotic scene when they fell through a ceiling and into the living room of a Michigan home. The Jackson Citizen Patriot reports that the homeowner in Sheridan Township sought help Friday after the raccoons fell from an attic. Police and firefighters easily picked up the four baby raccoons, but the mother eluded capture. She bit a responder's glove before hiding in a closet. The Albion Department of Public Safety posted a video of the response on its on its Facebook page. I, I was curious because I've got a couple of stories where, you know, animals and houses sometimes collide like here. Like imagine you're it's Friday night and you're sitting at home watching your favorite show and these raccoons drop in through your ceiling. <laughs> Michael, have you ever had a situation where you had a surprise from some uh, animals that you didn't expect? Yeah, I did. I was fortunate enough to have a nice sports car, and it was put up for our you know nine months of winter we experience here in the the Northeast. And mice got into the interior of it and ate the interior. Oh no! So you go out to yeah. the storage area, and and what the seats are all ripped up. Yeah, seats were all ripped up. The carpeting in, in the back was, it was like a hatchback. So the carpeting was all eaten up. They eaten some of the wiring harnesses. You know, they did a lot of damage. And I was like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Is this, is, this, is this homeowner's insurance? That is was my first insurance? That was my yeah. first thought. Yeah, and I'm like, are they going to deny it because I didn't have like, you know, mice traps or whatever, <laughs> right. you know, in the garage. Right. So I was really scared, but they, I turned it into insurance and they ended up paying out like almost five grand to, to fix the interior of that car. Wow. And and was it, on, was it car insurance or was it homeowner's insurance? It was the car insurance. The car insurance covered it. Yeah. And because it's an animal, the deductible is like minimal, right? Yeah. Well, luckily on that car, we didn't have a deductible. I had just gotten it that summer. So, you know, I was fortunate. Thank goodness you didn't do what a lot of people do. You know, they they put the car up for the winter. They take the insurance off. I had friends that did that. They just got rid of the insurance while it sat in a garage. Imagine if you'd done that. Holy. Well, we can't do that here in the Northeast because, you know, our winter's so long that we got to all sneak out. Like in January, we normally get that 160 degree day (laughs) so we can pretend it's summer. So we all got to get our cars out and you'll see it like all the cool hot rods and trucks will all be out like the one day in January because the sun goes away until, you know, two months from now. Yeah. I remember it being like 41 or 42 and my brother and I go out in shorts with our baseball gloves and there's still (laughs) snow all over the ground. Yeah, you got to make hay with the sun shining. Right. Uh, Len, you have uh, any weird running with uh, animals? Well, you know, I can't prove it. I can't prove it. But now that you've read this story and hearing Michael's story, you know, I think raccoons did some damage once to my car as well. This was a long time ago. It, it probably was raccoons, but I walked out. And my car was on four milk crates and the tires were missing. So I'm 
you know, I, you know, it could be. It could be. <laughs> so you think the squirrels did that? It could be the squirrels too. Yeah. It could be raccoons yeah. or squirrels. Yeah. Did that's a good thought. Just a thought, but yeah, you know what? Maybe. Did you really have your tires taken? No, that was a lousy joke. Actually, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had anything happen with, with animals? Any homeowners uh, damage? Or? Doing damage? You know what? Not not permanent damage. You know what? I, I've had an, a run-ins with squirrels and rats. I, I love growing tomatoes, especially the squirrels. I finally gave up last year because the squirrels – we're eating all my tomatoes. And, and here's what a squirrel does when it eats the tomato. He eats half the tomato and he throws the rest of it in the yard. You know, I wouldn't be so mad if he ate the whole darn tomato, but he eats half of a perfectly good tomato and then throws it in the yard. That really is just too much. I had those plants surrounded with chicken wire and they still got in there. It's just, it's infuriating. So that's, I guess, the limit of my property damage. I love how you're unhappy about the mess they're making. Like if they were cleaners... <laughs> If they were cleaner squirrels and finished all their plate. It's like a there. It's like I'm giving you the middle finger, you know, it's like, here, I ate your tomato and now pick up the trash. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just, yeah, they're rubbing it in your face. (laughs) Paula, I'm wondering about animals in your rental houses. Oh, I've got a story about that. This was years ago. Um, We had just bought house number two. The first tenant was psych- the first tenant that we had had was cycling out of it. So it was the first turnover that we had ever done in that house. And this was back when I was still managing the properties, back when I used to live in Atlanta and I, back when I still used to manage the properties myself. And so on move out day, that tenant called me and said, oh, hey, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm almost out. But just so you know, there's this there's this hole in the wall and uh, the squirrels did it. And in my head, I'm thinking, OK, yeah, bullshit right? The tenant must have caused the damage and is like making up an excuse. So I drive down there. I go into the house and sure enough, he was totally telling the truth. A mother squirrel had built a nest and given birth to a, like a a nest of little baby squirrels in that space between the drywall and the, the wall studs then somehow the the pressure of that had like poked up against the drywall and had somehow burst through the drywall. And so there's a big hole in the drywall leading to a nest of baby squirrels. So I looked at it and I looked at the tenant and I was like, oh, oh okay, you were, you were right. And the rest of the house looks great. Here's your full, here's your full deposit back. I, I guess this, I guess I got to deal with this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get so, a picture? Oh, tons. Yeah. And then what I did was I took the baby squirrels to a wildlife refuge. Oh, I thought, come on. I thought being Paula Pant, you started charging them rent. (laughs) (laughs) Get those squirrels for every acorn you could get out of them. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I took them to a wildlife refuge and I was a little bit panicked at first because I felt this, this incredible responsibility for their lives. Like here they are. They're these newborn little things. If they die, it's on me because I've encountered them and now I have to protect them. And you so, don't grow tomatoes, do you? I, I do grow tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry tomatoes. But, you know, squirrels, they're a sentient being. So I, I 
Googled animal sanctuaries and I found one that was like 45 minutes away and I called them frantically and I was like, look, I've got this problem. I've got these squirrels. Can you take them in? And they were like, sure, sure, we can take them in. So I drove out, I deposited the squirrels with them and then I wrote them like a $300 check, you know, just to make sure that those squirrels would be able to go to college and have a good life. (laughs) Paula goes to visitation every other week, (laughs) sits with her squirrels. Her adopted squirrel family. I, I I actually, Paula, had that happen at my house here. I had squirrels move into the wall. Wow. Yeah. We have a wood-sided house and squirrels burrowed through the, the wall. It, it turns out, by the way, that apparently for the females, they're nesting like the wood. They just chew on the wood. And when it popped through, they stayed in my wall. And trying to get them, by, by, by the way, I got them out of the wall. Mm-hmm. Which is another long story because I've got a I've got a different story for mine. But to, but I got them out of the wall. We boarded it up. Other squirrels moved into the same exact spot. Oh wow! I got them out, and then we put this mesh wire over that spot underneath the wood siding, and mm-hmm. they burrowed down to the mesh. And two more occasions, they still they still haven't given up on this spot wow. for some reason. They really like this spot. Like it's like the La Quinta for <laughs> for squirrels or something. Because they they love that spot of my house. I don't know why. Uh, my story, you know, we've been doing a lot of work on our house. There is a snake that lives in the flower bed right outside of this big windowed area. And workmen were working in that flower bed. And one of the workmen said, he said, yeah, I saw, I saw this snake. And this is maybe like a five foot long snake that you rarely see it. It's a king snake. It's afraid of people. You don't see it, but I know it's there. But so the workman said he saw it and he said, yeah, with everybody working out there, he's probably, you know, he's probably going away, but you really kind of like him there because a lot of people in our neighborhood have problems with mice and I've never had a problem with mice. And so, so the first day, the first day that the snake has moved out, it's two o'clock in the morning. I hear my cat running across my bedroom floor and then I hear this little And at first I think there's something weird beeping. And then I'm like, oh my God, the the cat has something. And I turn on the light and sure enough, there's the cat. And between his paws is his play toy. The first mouse that we've ever had here. But then the cat, the cat's not trying to kill the mouse. The cat's just trying to play with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's going to play with it till he kills it, but he's messing around with the mouse. Anyway, he thinks at one point the mouse scurries away and he goes underneath this chair in our bedroom and the mouse goes out the other side. But the cat is dumb enough that he thinks the mouse is still underneath the chair. So I can't find the mouse anywhere, which is freaking me out because somewhere there's a mouse. Like I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a mouse smiling at me inches from my face. Probably not going to happen, but that's what's going on in my head. And uh, I look around my room and sitting super, super stiff in the corner of the room is this mouse. Like maybe if I don't move, nobody will see me. So, so I don't have anything to get the mouse with yet. So I think I'll pick up the cat and I'll have the cat keep the mouse busy while I figure this out. While I get a bucket or something to, to get rid of the mouse. And, uh, and I pick up the cat and I take Cooper and I put his face right next to the mouse and he won't even look at it because he's still sure that the mouse is underneath that, <laughs> that chair. So, so I take the cat back. I finally throw him at the mouse. The mouse <laughs> runs underneath my bed and the cat 
doesn't even see that the mouse ran underneath the bed, like the dumbest cat ever. And then he runs <laughs> back again to the chair. And by the way, I haven't seen the mouse since, which still freaks me out. This has been maybe, I'm going to say three months ago. I haven't seen the mouse since. No sign of the mouse. Maybe the snake is back. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> mouse disappeared. Cat's still a moron. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, speaking of dumb cats who can't hunt, when we got our cat Tazzy, when she was still a kitten, she's uh, she's turning eight. But when she was still a kitten, in an effort to teach her how to hunt, we once put her that we found this cockroach. We picked, <laughs> used a piece of paper. We picked up the cockroach, put it in the bathtub, and then put the cat in the bathtub with the cockroach. Yeah, like kind of like like a lion in the Colosseum. Yeah, right, right. Uh, she's still the cat being in a bathtub, an empty bathtub with a cockroach. Still did not manage to catch it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that Coliseum fight. <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody's asking for a refund on that one. Michael, being out in the middle of the country, you guys got to have, I mean, you know, my brother lives in the country and they have bats in his house. Oh, yeah. Bats, uh, deer, squirrels, bear, getting the garbage, uh, all kinds of animals. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy stuff. All right, guys. I think that's, uh, that's uh, Animal Story Hour. Thanks for playing. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. <laughs> 